never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Batman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that really looks forward to Hallmark finally making action movies. I mean, can you imagine? My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. I'm here. How's it going? Hey, man. <laughs> I imagine those action movies are going to be, you know, because it's always about, like, the single dad from Jingleton with the uh, daughter who just really believes in the spirit of Christmas. But uh, instead of getting the girl in the Hallmark action movies, he's going to be like, trying to stop a bomb from blowing Jingleton up is kind of what I'm thinking. I don't, I don't know where you're at with, Dude, uh, that's with that idea. Awesome. Here's, <laughs> so I saw an interview with, okay. So mean girls star Lacey Chabay is now right. or Lacey Chabert, however you say her last name. I've heard it both ways. So I think it's Chabay, at least, at least how it's spelled. Um, she did an interview on, she was on Fallon and they were talking about uh, her career in the Hallmark movies and right. she has done 38. Holy cow. Okay. Okay. Um, and no, it was, it was either she's done 38 or they did 38 in one year. And the big <laughs> question was, how do they do that? And e- even if I'm wrong, it doesn't matter how wrong I got that quote. The question is, how do they do it so fast? And I thought about it. I'm like, because they do a con, they shoot a conversation scene and then shoot the next conversation scene and then yeah. the next cut, like nothing ha- actually happens. It's just conversation scene after conversation scene. So they're really easy to shoot movies. Um, <laughs> any rate. Well, uh, I was going to say, so my friend Matt Roth has been on the show. Who's done a couple of his own uh, independent movies. And I remember when he filmed the man who collected food, he told me that it took, I think he said a month and a half to shoot that film. And he said, that's kind of like standard in the indie world like i know big hollywood movies can take probably half a year to shoot but for like indie movies like a month to two months like that's kind of standard but 38 in a year that is that is just mind-boggling but i read back when i was in college and it was discussion i was in a class and we were talking about um how much gets shot per different mediums and they were saying that a film like a like a standard movie in Hollywood yeah. and like and we're not talking I'm not talking like an indie film level. I'm talking standard your standard uh, blockbuster movie. Right. It's about 10 pages a day. OK. OK. A television show will shoot uh, 20 to 30 pages a day. Both are more than I expected, to be honest. Okay. A soap <laughs> opera shoots 40 plus a day okay right holly and hallmark movies are kind of like glorified soap operas i guess so essentially right yeah 
So it's kind of interesting how that plays out. And uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll wait and see until we get uh, Die Hard and Jingleton. Um, <laughs> well, if anything, like just to not to harp on this opening joke too long, but if anything, it honestly goes to show like as much as people want to clown on soap operas and soap opera actors, those actors have to be on their game because it sounds like they probably get one to two takes per scene. And if they screw something up, everybody's probably pissed off. So as much as you want to make fun of them, they probably have to really be honed in on their craft. You know what I mean? Yeah. I have nothing against soap opera actors. I just thought it was interesting to find out how much they do a day. Like that's right on. Um, (laughs) Anyway, people did not come to this show to listen to us talk about Hallmark action films. (laughs) I was going to say on to a superhero soap operas. Yeah, (laughs) I will say I will say that I'm a little under the weather. So if you hear it in my voice, I apologize. I'm not trying to sound weird. It's literally just uh, while that sickness is going around, I guess. So there you go. Yeah. Um, Anyway, Peter, what are you? Let's not waste any more time. What are you watching, reading? Um, Yeah, I um, I've been pretty busy this week. I haven't watched or read much. I'm kind of up to date on Mandalorian. um, And just before the show, I finally got up to date on Last of Us. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. So I don't know if you have anything you want to go into before we delve into those bigger properties you know what i mean well i'll put it this way um i am not caught up on last of us sorry i'm not i just this is the i've been under the weather and busy um i am caught up on mandalorian um and uh i finished the consultant um, oh dope okay which uh, have you you i assume you haven't started watching it the way you responded no, but you describing the show, I really want to watch it. And that's like the next thing I want to watch. You know what I mean? Just because right. hearing you talk about it, it sounded so cool. But uh, yeah. And knowing that you and your wife kind of watch weird shit together, make her watch this <laughs> with you because I think you guys are both really going to enjoy this. Nice. Um, the show ended not the way I'd expected, but not in a bad way. It just I didn't expect it to go that route. Um, which made it kind of interesting. And uh, it was a really, really cool ending. If this is, I really think this is a one season thing, which is totally fine. Um, If you just leave it as a limited series, it was just a fun ride for what it was. Um, Yes. Really, really cool ending. Really, really like just dark fun ride is really what it is. Um, Awesome. (laughs) Excuse me. Last of Us. Yes, I'm not caught up. Um, but, um, they did say that the last of us season finale, which is next, which is this coming weekend, um, will be the shortest of the episodes. Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) Clocking in, (laughs) clocking in at 43 minutes. Can I give a quick spoiler? But whatever. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to say, can I give a quick spoiler free review of where I'm at with Last of Us? Sure. And it will directly comment on what you just said about the last episode. So I just watched uh, episode eight, which I believe is the one before the next episode, which you said is the last one. And I can say the first seven episodes of Last of Us I've enjoyed. I thought these episodes were engrossing at many points, but the one thing I could probably say about the series through the first seven episodes is this is one of the most lighthearted survival horror things I've ever seen. (laughs) 
<laughs> like, I felt like as a it, whole, it's kind of like, kind of, yeah. Like, All right. at the up to episode seven, I was like, this is kind of like, there's been some suspenseful parts, but there's been a lot of happy go lucky road trip adventure with Joel and Ellie, you know what I mean? And uh, episode eight is, I feel like the show has finally gotten to like, kind of where I've wanted it to be all along. Like episode eight, there was so much suspense. It was so engrossing. It had like that. I, again, no spoilers, but it had like this walking dead. Like, I feel like the best moments of walking dead have that really like (sighs) intense suspenseful atmosphere. And I feel like this show finally kind of achieved that for me. Like, I'm not going to say everybody's going to agree with me, but for me, episode eight, was just amazing it brought up ethical conundrums it was intense it was suspenseful hearing that they finally got to this point for me and episode nine is so short that is like really mind-boggling in a lot of ways but at the same time I guess you've got to leave people wanting more and I'm sure there's going to be a lot more last of us to come and as much as i just said that the series has kind of been a little bit more lighthearted than i expected it's also a thing where it's i feel like we're just getting into it you know and i feel like the show is going to be a long burn and there's going to be a lot more survival horror there's going to be a lot more infected moments and stuff like that and it's kind of for me it just feels like the show is just finding its footing and then we're going to take a break and it kind of sucks. But like I said, you got to leave people always wanting more, if that makes sense. And that's probably all I want to say about it, because I know you're not caught up, Drew. But uh, wow. yeah, these I don't know what episode you're on, but what you have to watch is definitely really some really cool stuff. So well, I have to just watch episode eight and then the finale. So I'll okay, probably just okay, watch I'll, I probably just watch them back to back. But it's good right. to hear you say that. It's also nice to hear you say that in this in their aspect of it's going to put pressure on every adapted to screen video game project that greenlit going forward. Right. Um, This is so this is such a well adapted uh, version of a video game that we've ever gotten that everything else is going to be like, well, don't mess it up because Last of Us raised the bar. You know, so <laughs> absolutely. I'd like to look at it that way, if you will. Um, and I'm I'm hoping just because you mentioned video game adaptations, we're really close to uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie coming out. And yeah, I'm hoping that that raises the bar in a whole different area of video games. You know, you have Last of yeah. Us, which is like the realistic survival horror. And I'm hoping Mario Brothers raises the bar in the you know, kid-friendly platformer, uh, cartoony area of video games, you know, but I think it'd be really funny if the two best video game properties of this, or, you know, movie or TV show properties of this year were Last of Us and Mario, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I hear you there. So, what did you think of, uh, Mando, since you said you're caught up with that? Yeah, um, this most recent episode was, again, it was pretty cool. Uh, we have uh, Din Djarin and Grogu going into the mines of Mandalore. Um, and battling the Morlocks. 
I I'm so glad you said that. That's like the next thing I was gonna say is I love the Morlocks, but oh. it's totally like you go underground and you see these creatures. I'm like, okay, yep, those are Morlocks. This is awesome. All right. So for those people who are Star Wars fans and are going, those aren't Morlocks, and are gonna yell at us and say that we don't know what we're talking about. Um, you got to remember that Dave Filoni has made several homages to other science fiction properties yeah. throughout his career working on Star Wars. If you look at the Clone Wars, they did, and if you look at Clone Wars, they did like the Godzilla episodes. Um, and then if you look at Rebels, they did a Jaws episode and they've done all yep. that. Those are just tip of the iceberg, but they do a lot of them. They have um, Clone Wars also has the Seven Samurai uh, homages um star wars the original movie has several homages to akurasawa's uh hidden fortress um they're all over the place yeah so i mean the original star wars films like you did mention kurosawa but just if you look at the influences brought from like flash gordon serials and like yeah, just there's it was, so it's almost like star wars is one big homage to other cool stuff so yeah awesome well and the reason i say that is because these creatures these white troll <laughs> ogre looking creatures had this um and i don't know what they're called it's fine i didn't watch it with the subtitles on to find out the actual name of the creature but um Bo-Katan did say the name but i can't remember it either but yeah keep going <laughs> however they looked a lot like the morlocks from hg wells time machine yep and that's I mean, yeah, that was a book adapted to screen and they made a movie called The Time Machine, but that's what it's very similar to the Morlocks. And I was like, oh, dude, they look like the Morlocks, which I thought was really interesting because not only do they stay inside in the dark, but they didn't go outside until it was dark outside, which I also thought was interesting. So it's just a homage to another franchise or another franchise, another science fiction property, which I thought was amazing. That's why I call them Morlocks. It's fine. Anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, you heard it here first. Mandalorians are the Eloy. <laughs> we got it. Mandal- but, um, <laughs> That's awesome. um, but no, yeah, I love the Morlocks. And um, I don't know. One of the things that I've thought about during the entire uh, series of the Mandalorian is a lot of the alien species they show, like a lot of them tend to be pretty Earth like. Like if you look in the. Uh, season premiere for the season you had a giant allegor or alligator monster that was attacking all the mandalorians and like as cool as that was there was a little bit of a part of me going like yeah but it kind of just looks like a big alligator and i wish they went a little more imaginative with it but uh this episode we did get the morlocks super imaginative haven't seen that in star wars before but they looked cool and like they had a cool presence on the screen when it comes to their fighting and uh just their presence in general but then at the end of the episode i was gonna say don't I'm... bury the lead man on, <laughs> right on star Wars I'm... dream that we've been thinking about since we saw that skull on boba fett's shoulder well you go on and uh <laughs> talk about it a little bit more because i you know more about this than me <laughs> you know well, so my this was a jaw drop moment when they like fall into the water and Pokatan's going to pull Dinjarin out and this creature is in the water and they look at him and they, you don't get the best look. You really yeah. don't. But you see the shape of the head for the skull of the mythosaur and we finally get to see how physically large that thing is. And if you don't know what the mythosaur is, that's the Mandalore skull symbol that you see on like the shoulder of Boba Fett or like mounted on the wall with the uh the armor or that kind of thing 
Um, it was just gorgeous. Like I said, this is a Star Wars dream come true in the sense that we've been thinking about this for decades now. So Absolutely. <clears throat> do you have anything to add on the Mythosaur? Not necessarily. I just thought it was a really uh, frightening sequence when uh, she had to dive into uh, into the water, rescue Din Djarin, and uh, just that shot of the Mythosaur felt very uh, ominous and foreboding, right. and it was just awesome. So well, I feel like there's going to be a lot more information revealed next episode about it. You know what I mean? Well, even if it's not next episode, I hope we get to see it again, maybe out of the water. Maybe Bo-Katan rides one. Maybe we get to see it tamed. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, the Mythosaur is like Mandalorian mythology, if you will. So, yeah, let's just see what happens. Right on. But I'm in because Mandalorian's fantastic. Um, but that's a good segue into news. Nice. Um, which we don't have a lot. A lot of it's quick hits, but that's all right. Um, speaking of Star Wars... Andor will end with season two, um, which I found interesting because originally they wanted to do five seasons, but they're going to end it after two seasons. Um, Diego Luna had a quote stating, it's just two. It's just a two season show, which is really important for my mental health. But knowing this is the end, I want to enjoy it and get the best out of this for the experience. Right uh, on. That's all right. Cool, man. Like, it's a, look, it's a good show. I know I kind of ragged on it a little bit, but. That doesn't mean I didn't understand what they were trying to do and I can't and I don't see where they're going with it. So I have high hopes. So, yeah. Cool. We're only getting one more season. We're only getting one more season. So, well, also, it is OK for things to end sometimes. You know, we live in this world of endless sequels, but sometimes the sequels keep going on and it becomes a little bit of a cash grab. And if you have a story to tell that you can tell within two seasons, you know, do that and leave us with something good instead of something drawn out. You know what I mean? So, right. Well, let's talk about something that's going away from us in terms of Star Wars. Star Wars films from Kevin Feige and Patty Jenkins are reportedly no longer in development. OK, wow. OK, so we were supposed to get a Kevin Feige produced Star Wars movie and we were supposed to get <laughs> Patty Jenkins Rogue Squadron. So um, there was our. Previously, the Star Wars projects, uh, hold on a second, Direct, were previously put on, they were both, okay. For the first time, we're reporting no longer an active in development. Thor Ragnarok director Taika Waititi's project is reportedly still in the works. So Taika's movie is moving forward, but that means whatever Kevin Feige was working on is no longer moving forward. And Patty Jenkins' Rogue Squadron is done. Which really bums me out, because I think Rogue Squadron is a, such a... I think that would be one of the best things to happen to Star Wars if they can do it. If Patty Jenkins isn't going to do it anymore, fine. Find another director. Find someone who understands what they're doing. But I really do think that that is a perfect property to adapt. Even if you do it as a show on Disney+, Plus, it's the perfect property to adapt. Um, Especially right now when Top Gun Maverick killed it at the box office this summer. Know. You know, This is the perfect time to be like... You like Top Gun? Well, this is like Top Gun in the Star Wars world. You know, it'd be right. so great, but we never know what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe for whatever reason, they just thought Patty Jenkins wasn't the right fit. I'm not really sure. Hopefully this project does get going again, because like you said, this is such a it feels like such a shoe in kind of story. Like they've got to do more with it, you know? 
Well, here's something interesting since you say that. It's a little shift from Star Wars, but it's kind of a big quote from Bob Iger. So Disney CEO Bob Iger shared Frank comments about his plan for Marvel going forward. He says sequels typically work well for us, but do you need a third or fourth instance or is it time to turn to other characters? We have to look uh, what we have to look at Marvel is not necessarily the volume of Marvel storytelling, but how many times we go back to the well on the certain characters, uh, which I thought was interesting. Iger also stated his thoughts on the future of Star Wars franchise. We still are developing Star Wars films. We're going to make sure that when we make one, it's the right one. So we're being very careful. Um, I am totally fine with that as an answer because I think we're in this perfect pocket of Star Wars uh, storytelling right now where Rise of Skywalker, it's been a minute since Rise of Skywalker, and they've held off making a Star Wars movie for a little while. And Rogue Squadron was supposed to be the first one out the gate, and we're not going to get a Rogue Squadron right now, apparently. So what's the Star Wars movie? We don't know. But right now, we're enjoying Andor and Mandalorian and Bad Batch and what they're giving us. So I'm okay with the Star Wars TV for a minute. I really am. It's totally cool. And when you guys give us a movie, we're all going to be carpooling to the theaters to see it again. So it'll be great. Right. Uh, I feel like that quote is so incredibly vague that I have no idea even what to say about it. (laughs) Iger is one of the smartest businessmen in terms of he understands what to say, when to say, and not say the wrong thing. So his quotes are always vague, and I'm okay with that. But it also says, we're not going to give you something just for cash. Right. And And I I also feel like... And that's not the usual perception people have about Disney. So what else is good about the vagueness is that we're not getting an abundance of announcements and we're all sitting here excited for a Patty Jenkins Star Wars film. And then we just have it announced again that that's not going to happen. You know, I feel like having a um, just like having your finger on the pulse of when to announce things is probably a really good skill to have. So. I think that's probably a good thing compared to having just like a million announcements and not even knowing what to think of them. And uh, then half of them don't come true sort of thing. So (laughs) I agree. Well, in the world of Marvel, we have learned that John Bernthal is returning as the Punisher for the Daredevil series. Awesome. Nice. Awesome. Fantastic. I can't wait for that. That's amazing because we already know Vincent D'Onofrio is returning as Kingpin. Um, so this will be great. Um, that being said, Deborah Ann Wool, um, and Eldon Henderson will, Henson will not be returning. So no Foggy Nelson and no Karen Page. Bummer. Unless they recast, but I don't know at this point, I don't know why he'd recast. So I guess we'll have to see what happens. But both, both of those actors are distinct enough. Like how do you recast either of those roles? I, (laughs) I agree with you entirely about that. Um, some, like I said, some of these are quick hits, but these are some good stories to talk about. So Batman, the Caped Crusader, the animated series that was supposed to be on HBO Max that has been canceled. Remember talking about this? Yes. Yeah. So we thought we were going to get it. We're like, oh, sweet. We're getting a new Bruce Tim animated series. And then they canceled it. Well, guess what? It has been, it's found a new home at Amazon. 
Okay, uh, weird. The so streamer, weird. The streamer has handed out a two-season order for the animated series from J.J. Abrams, Matt Reeves, and Bruce Timm, and was pre- that was previously scrapped from HBO Max, um, which is a weird turn of events because it's a Batman property. It's not Warner Brothers, which makes me wonder if Amazon's going to make a play and just, like, buy HBO and Warner Brothers and all that nonsense. <laughs> but um, Well, here's here's the thing. Weren't we just talking about a Spider-Man show or something that was going on Amazon? Yeah, there's a uh, it's it's the Silk show. It's the Silk uh, anime, okay. uh, television series is going to be on Amazon. <laughs> Because I'm starting to feel like if the streaming wars is like a giant game of capture the flag and you have Disney on one side and HBO Max on another side, Amazon is the neutral zone. <laughs> that makes sense. Amazon's like where they send properties that they don't know what to do with. And it's really weird, but kind of uh, kind of cool because it's better than this uh, Batman Caped Crusader show just being shelved, you know. I agree. Um, but yeah, I agree. But anyway, weird. we get more Bruce Timm Batman <laughs> animated series. Can't wait. Yeah. Two seasons of it. Awesome. Maybe more. We'll see what happens. Um, all right. Uh, let's see here. Other DC news. Clancy Brown has joined HBO Max's Penguin series. Um, he'll be right, playing. Then. He'll be playing Salvatore Moroni. This is cool. Um. We already learned that Robert Pattinson's supposed to make a cameo appearance in the show. Um, obviously, Colin Farrell's back as Penguin. Clancy Brown's joining. Clancy Brown is no stranger to the DC universe, so I think this is cool. Um, if you don't know where you n- recognize Clancy Brown from, he played Lex Luthor in the Justice League animated series. Um, oh, and nice. I'm, and I'm pretty sure he's done voices for other things, but I, he specifically played Lex Luthor in the Superman animated series and the Justice League animated series. But um, he's no stranger to the DC universe, so he's going to be playing Salvatore Moroni. I'm totally down with this. That could be awesome. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Salvatore Moroni, by the way, is the gangster that sprayed Harvey Dent with the acid to turn him into Two-Face. Yeah. So it makes me wonder if we could see a Two-Face thing happen on the show. Um, especially <laughs> with, especially oh, with more movies coming. So, yeah. Good call. And even if we don't get that, this is just further confirmation that the series is going to focus on that sort of mobster criminal underbelly of Gotham that we all want to, you know, live in for a while while watching the show. Yeah. Um, Even though we did watch the show Gotham. True. Just just saying, just just saying. I I would I would argue that uh, the Matt Reeves Batman universe does have like maybe a much more serious. Well, I don't even know if serious is the right word, but a, it has a different tone to it when it comes to the weight of everything compared to Gotham, even though Gotham was great. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. Um, all right. So let's take a look at this couple cool ones. Poltergeist reportedly getting rebooted. Um, uh, okay. Well, you heard, you heard <laughs> me right. They're looking to reboot Poltergeist. Um, I don't, I agree. My response to that was, eh, same. Yeah. But hey, that's all right. We'll, we'll take it. What I am excited for is we all watched the movie Prey, right? The new uh, Predator film. I still haven't seen it, but go ahead. (laughs) Okay. You need to watch Prey. For sure. Watch The Consultant. And do I need to make you a list? Anyway. um, So (laughs) there is 
Predator, Prey went straight to Hulu. I don't even think they got a theatrical release. It was just yeah. right on Hulu. The next Alien film uh, will be right will be moved right to Hulu. Um, the Alien movie from Freddy Alvarez is moving forward. Um, and there's no date on it yet, but it's going directly to Hulu um, when it's released. So that's awesome. Um, I'm a massive Alien fan, but that sounds fantastic. So even though I definitely would have paid to see it in theaters, I will watch it on my big TV here at the house. So, right on. Um, so I'm excited for that. Um, let me see here. Funko Pop. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it is sending $30 million worth of its products to a landfill due to overproduction. Oh wow! The Funko it has so much stock. It has like... so much idle stock sitting in a warehouse that it's financially the best option. That is okay. Crazy to me, but I also feel like I kind of could have seen it coming. Just that's saying. true, but at the same time, <laughs> they could have sent some of those to my house. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm. I was hoping one of us was going to make that joke because I'm totally with you on that. No, it's it's really interesting. I mean, Funko Pops were just the rage for so many years, and I feel like that bubble has popped. But I also think about like we had we had a pandemic that just happened, and think of like I just think about going to comic conventions and how many Funko Pops are slung around at those things because it's such a good souvenir. Like. Well, I'm here and I don't know what to get my wife or kids. Oh, I'll get them a couple of Funko Pops. You know, that'll just cost me 20 bucks. And it was such a good, quick gift, you know, and I feel like I'm not saying this is all to blame on conventions um, being out of commission for a couple of years. But I do feel like that could affect it as well as maybe just, I guess, uh, people's enthusiasm for Funko waning. But I still like Funko Pops, but I tend to gravitate more towards the I really like a lot of the horror ones or like monster characters that have a little more detailed sculpture when it comes to the face and stuff like that. But yeah, uh, yeah definitely sad to hear in yeah, a weird I, way. It's like an end of an era. <laughs> I like the Funko Pops. I've gotten my fair share of them. There's a couple I've tried to hunt down. Some of them are just way too expected. The collector market on it is crazy enough to like if there's some you want. You might be like, wow, that's too expensive on a piece of plastic. That's the other part in my head is like there's I kind of stopped because it was just like, I'm what am I doing with these? I'm putting them on the shelf and that's it, you know? Yeah. So um, <laughs> but but the dream is always to have the full wall of just stacked Funko Pop boxes in your house, <laughs> like yeah, to yeah, fill yeah. an entire wall. So that's why I was saying send some of those landfill Funkos to me. I'll be happy to take them. <laughs> well. We're going to move on to a Nick Cage news. Um, okay, nice. Nicholas Cage was in Miami, Florida uh, recently at the Miami Film Festival accepting the Variety Legend and Groundbreaker Award. I'm not really sure what that means because I don't really know the Miami Film Festival. I actually didn't know Miami had a film festival. And I feel kind of being a movie guy, I feel like I should have known that. Anyway, he was asked his opinion about... Uh, joining the MCU, or if you'd ever have interest in joining the MCU. And Nicolas Cage had the most Nick Cage answer ever. He said, I don't need to be in the MCU. I'm Nick Cage. <laughs> um, this isn't really news. I just thought it was a funny response and worth saying. <laughs> Nick uh, Cage has, like, he's gone from, like, just 
well-respected actor to like a complete meme back to like well-respected like badass actor in my opinion like I just feel like Nicolas Cage was a meme for so many years but then now we're at the point where he's like surpassed that and just everything he says or does is just so badass and you just have to respect it you know what I mean like I have no nothing else to say besides that but like I don't know maybe like I mentioned a couple weeks ago I just listened to that stealing superman podcast all about uh nick cage's uh action comics number one being stolen so maybe i'm in a bit of a nick cage move but to me he's kind of he's kind of at like a cult uh like a cult following uh level like he's kind of like almost like another bruce campbell when it comes to like the movies he's in and just the cool shit he does you know what i mean yeah at least he's getting there um <laughs> right on. I don't know if if I cut you off at all. I felt no, like not I at all. Been not at all. Say something else. Okay, cool. Um, so here's the scary story of the uh, of the night. Uh, I love you know how every now and then it brings us a science story. Well, this is a science story, but it's also a scary one. Uh, yeah. You know how they make whiskey, like where they after they brew and ferment everything and get the alcohol ready to go, they like they age it in the barrels. Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well. It doesn't matter how you do things in life. Sometimes bacteria grows, right? Well, a Jack Daniels, Jack Daniels whiskey fungus is engulfing a Tennessee town. <laughs> <laughs> feeding, on the, feeding on the ethanol fumes created by whiskey, the fungus is thriving in this Tennessee con- county of Lincoln, where it's been coating everything from homes and cars to road signs on, and trees. Oh, man. One resident is suing the county. I'm just going to say... We've been watching The Last of Us, everybody. Yes. This is how it starts. This isn't funny at all. So everyone should be terrified, and this town should probably be, like, maybe nuked, I guess. Like, move everybody out and then, like, take care of it. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> how funny would it be if the zombie apocalypse was brought on by Jack Daniels? Like, it would just be so perfect in this uh, clown world we all live in. I feel, so like awesome. in the South, I feel like in the South Park version... That's yeah. how it happens. Right, right. And I absolutely. say that because when COVID hit, the first celebrity to get COVID was Tom Hanks. And when you look in hindsight at the South Park version of COVID, it would have been Tom Hanks to get it. It was yeah. almost too like comical to be written that way. So if we're going to have a show called The Last of Us about this stuff, land on television, become this big hit, and then we turn around and find out it's actually happening, What? Absolutely. Just saying. Anyway. <laughs> well, I was um, going to say it's it was either going to be Tom Hanks or Nick Cage. So there you go. <laughs> well, and then for the final piece of news, before we move on to our list tonight, is um, I am a huge Critical Role fan. I've talked about it before. I'm a big fan of what those guys do over there. I'm a big fan of their work as voice actors as well. Um, they always record the same nights we do, so I know they don't listen in real time. I just hope they listen to us on their own. But they're celebrating their eight-year anniversary tonight. So that's a huge milestone to them. So from one podcast to the other, happy eight-year anniversary. And uh, that's all I wanted to say. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. Um, And I look forward to whatever their next episode is because I love that show. Anyway, um, that is all we have for the news. So you want to talk about tonight's list? Yeah, let's go for it. Cool. All right, everybody, it is list time. So we'll be right back because we're going to roll the thing.
now for the top five. Okay, Peter. Yeah. Um, this was my pick. I'll be honest, I found this a lot harder than I thought when I thought it was a good idea to discuss. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> the idea of this list was ensemble casts. Now, when you cast a movie or a television show or something like that, a lot of times you have your lead actors and you have your supporting actors. Sometimes you have a cast that is um, it's meant to be all-encompassing where everyone has like an equal part. And that's what is meant by um, ensemble cast. Every character is meant equal in stature, equal in size. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's what I was looking at. A really good example would be like Modern Family, right? Or uh, the Knives Out ser- uh, movie. That's Those are two good pillar sides of the world, television and movies. Um, and when I realized putting this together, I'm like, I could have made my whole list television. But I wanted to get some yes. movies on here, too. So um, I do have two honorable mentions, but I just found it a little harder to do than I anticipated. I don't know about you, though. So um, I had some honorable mentions. Uh, or I have two as well, but I didn't think this list was super hard. There was a couple that just came out of me like right away like there's a couple movies and shows that I just knew right away were gonna make my list and then narrowing down like the last few of them was a little bit hard but my main thing was just like it was really hard for me to find stuff that I felt fit the criteria because so many even when you look this up online there's so many examples of ensemble casts where I was still saying like yeah, but there's still like that one or two characters that are still like the main focus like, of the like thing. Like the you Dark know I mean? Knight, for example. Yeah, the Dark Knight was coming up on all like, these lists. Because when you Google was... ensemble cast, the whole Dark Knight trilogy pops up, and I'm like, <laughs> I see what you're saying, but not really. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's almost like yes, this is an amazing ensemble of cast members you put together, but like. The movie's called The Dark Knight, like Batman is the focus. And, you know, in that specific movie, Joker is such a focus as the villain. So, yeah, that one was one of the mind boggling uh, choices that came up. Technically, I feel like you could say like Avengers Infinity War, but still, I feel like there's still like the core six of the main focus. You know what I mean? I really don't know. I could be wrong on that one, but no Marvel movie movie or superhero movie made my list. So... (laughs) I have uh, three-ish that of course you do. <laughs> definitely fit the comic book realm, so uh, we'll you. get into that well, later. If you're if you're just joining us in the terms of not understanding what we mean by ensemble casts, we're not judging the movie on, oh my god, that was an amazing movie. We're judging the cast only. Yes. Um, because the movie could be, the movie actually could not be that great, but the cast could have turned out like this amazing like group performance, if you will. Um but we're looking specifically at casting and the actors doing the jobs that they're hired to do. We're not looking at cinematography and lighting and script and uh, directing and all that stuff. We're just like this cast turned out this amazing piece of work and that's what we're focused on. So um, uh, it's your turn first. So, right. So my honorable mentions, I have one movie that, totally counts but just didn't make my list and another one that i don't know if it counts but it totally does in my mind if you can argue it then i'm okay with it (laughs) well the only reason is it's a it's a very small cast but i went with the hangover oh okay because you have it's very small like you have like the main characters who are three 
you know, four when you add in, like, the groom of the group, but it's, like, the three main characters, but there's no main character. They're they're all, like, equal importance. They all play off each other. They all have, like, really intricate, like, kind of beautifully uh, created personalities that, and the way they play off of each other is so perfect. And, like, this was one of the first things I thought of when you said ensemble casts and kind of explained what it meant so like this is one of the first things that popped in my head but it's such a perfect beautiful grouping of like fictional characters like this had to be mentioned in some way even though it is a small ensemble like I feel like it definitely works in that way yeah and I hear you I'm with you on that hangover totally works for me so yeah yeah um my first honorable mention is the Adams Family Oh, awesome. That's awesome. You say, oh, awesome, like you forgot about them. Um, <laughs> the only iteration of the Adams Family I'm not counting in this is Wednesday, because it seems to be a little extra focused on one person. Yeah, um, that's fair. But when you look at the original television show and you look at the two movies we got, the Adams Family is a phenomenal ensemble cast of it's about the family. It's literally they're the focus. And, you know, so it's just and the two movies alone. Um, just seeing how like the chemistry on set and everything, it was just, it's like they walked in knowing what they were doing. Like they must have had like a meeting before casting, like we're going in and we're nailing this together, you know? (laughs) And I feel like there is that balance where there's moments where like Lurch or uh, the thing seem to have just as much as importance as like Gomez or Morticia. So yeah, yeah. yeah, Great call with that. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, What do you got? So my next one is uh, this is like one of my favorite uh, kind of overlooked comedies. I feel like this is kind of a forgotten gem, but I actually went with the movie Rat Race, which is basically a movie about like, I don't remember if it was one billionaire, or if it was a couple of them, but it's basically a like them actually like they yeah, all, a, a yeah. lot of billionaires come together and pick a bunch of random people and they basically tell them like, we have $1 million in a duffel bag in this one location. And they basically just watch everybody trying to get to this one location. So throughout the whole movie you have like, and you have a really star studded cast. You have like John Lovitz, you have Seth Green, you have like so many recognizable actors and they're all just racing to this one spot. And they all go through so many hilarious obstacles and situations. And like, this is a goofy bonkers movie, but it's like one of my favorite movies from my childhood. It's so funny. And I feel like you don't hear this movie ever mentioned nowadays, but one of my favorite ensemble casts uh, of all time, for sure. Yeah. And uh, it's, that's a, that's one where I think they like, kind of like what funny people can we get in a movie? start making <laughs> yeah, phone calls absolutely. because this could be a lot of fun and it was such an equal like there's not there's no part that's bigger than another and it's awesome and like and i was absolutely. trying i was thinking about that when i was trying to put this together i'm like what has lots of actors for the sake of having actors um like i thought about putting love actually on my list but the stories are so separated that i didn't really think in my mind that it comes. right you know what i right. mean they're not really complementing each other as opposed to just being <laughs> all these little separate stories, you know, good call. Good call. Yeah. Um, at any rate, uh, what's your, Oh, my second, my second honorable mention is this kind of a cheat and it's kind of a gimme, but, uh, friends, Um, Nice. I've talked about the show a lot. I like the show. I'm, 
I've, you know, I've always liked Friends, but as a whole, it's just, it's a good cast, good actors complimenting each other. They all, it's uh, essentially, it's just the six of them. It kind of falls in that hangover thing. It's not a big cast, but um, yeah, equal in all aspects, all the way around. So I was going to say, I don't know if it's a cheat, to be honest, but I feel like this one came up a lot and I feel like whether you like the show Friends or not, like you really have to for this list, I think you really have to focus on like this is a set of characters that they put together and the way their personalities play off of each other and the various situations they get into. Like it's so it's so good. And Drew, you've talked on the show about how like Friends is such a good example of like you'll have an A story, a B story and a C story where you have like maybe Ross and Rachel is like the A story for that episode. Like that's what they're doing is what we're focusing on. But then you have a B story where like Joey and Chandler are off doing something weird. And then you have Phoebe doing something weird over here as like the C story. And I feel like friends is such a good example of like a, just a good ensemble cast. Like, I feel like, how can you not, you like, how could you ignore this series? You know what I mean? So definitely a good call. So, yeah, yeah. All right, man, what is your first pick of the night? <laughs> well, you just made my first pick really easy because I actually went with Friends. And nice. uh, I don't know if I have more to say on it than I did just there. But it really is. This is one where it comes to the characters and the personalities they put together and how they, you know, how these situations, how these characters bounce off each other with their personalities. Like, I think this is a really... Whether you like the show or not, again, like, it's just a really classic, like, ensemble cast dynamic that they, you know, put together there. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. I guess that throws it back to me. Um, so, I haven't watched the new iterations of this, but prior to Paramount Plus being a thing, this is kind of a cheat because it's an entire franchise I'm calling out, and that's any version of Star Trek. Um, okay. Ultimately, each show, each movie, whatever, is an ensemble cast of the crew. It's always focused on, yes, there's principal cast, but it's an ensemble cast in the sense that it's all encompassing for the entire crew of the ship. And it's always been like that. Um, whether you're talking about the Kirk crew or the Picard crew, or you're jumping over to the Cisco crew on DS9 or the Janeway crew on Voyager and then um, the Bacula crew on Enterprise, and then we move into the Enter- the uh, Paramount Plus uh, era, which I haven't watched any of that, but you see what I'm saying. Like, each crew itself is its own little isolated ensemble cast sprinkled throughout. Um, right on, and I think, yeah. And I think when you go all the way back to the uh, Shatner years, putting that cast together, focusing on, because when you look at it, each episode is a, is a morality tale. It's not just science fiction. They're telling social commentaries. And when you put a cast together that understands that, you get these pockets of these amazing ensemble pieces throughout uh, the show's history. And Star Trek, I think, is one of the perfect examples of what I was talking about the whole time. And I didn't realize it was one of the last things I put on my list that I was like, oh, yeah, Star Trek. And I'm like, which one? All of them. You know, so (laughs) Star Trek was definitely something that I didn't even think about while putting this list together. But it and and I don't think it would have made my final list, but it's definitely such a good call. And it just makes me think about like 
for me, like, I feel like I definitely grew up with the next generation just because of my age. But I remember every episode of the next generation I watched, I was always focused. I feel like with ensemble cast, you can really pick those couple of characters you can relate to. And for whatever reason, I feel like uh, anything like Data or Worf did on the next generation, I was really drawn into those two characters, even though it would be so easy to say, like, Captain Picard is the main character, but not really because you have so many strong personalities on the crew and they all have equal weight. And there's depending on the episode, you're going to get a different main character for each story. So uh, this is definitely such a great, uh, such a great choice to go with. I didn't even think of that, but good call. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what's your next next pick for the evening? I'm going to go with my one that I feel like is kind of a cheat. And the reason I say it's kind of a cheat is because you mentioned Love Actually earlier. And my pick isn't Love Actually, but you mentioned Valentine's that this day, isn't it? No, <laughs> but it's, you mentioned this. Just not that into you. <laughs> you mentioned the stories <laughs> in Love Actually, like the characters are just a little too separate. And uh, I feel like that applies to my next pick, which is Sin City, which is one oh. of my favorite movies beautiful cinematography, really awesome storytelling, but I feel like a lot of the stories are very separate and the stories interact, like the characters interact in very subtle ways throughout all the stories, but they are very separate. Even though you have a star studded cast, you have some really cool stuff happening. A lot of it is really separate, but at the same time, when you have like, Jessica Alba, Bruce Willis, Mickey Rourke, uh, Rosario Dawson, Josh Hartnett. Like you have all these amazing cast members in a movie and none of them are technically the main character. I still feel like it fits the bill, even though, like you said, like it's kind of a cheat because they're all separated in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm with you on that. And uh, Sin City was one that I like just didn't put on my list for the same reason I didn't put Love Actually on my list. Like those right stories right are on. connected and interwoven, but at the same time, they're just separate enough that made me go, I don't know if I can count it. But that was my own mental thought process when I was. Doing no, it, so. but I do think there is like a bit of like the best ensemble cast do have those actors and those characters that their personalities do like bounce off each other and really complement each other. And I feel like because of the separation in certain ensemble casts, you don't quite get those sort of dynamics. So I think it is something worth pointing out. You know what I mean? And that's, that's a big reason why Sin City was lower on my list as opposed to like the last, you know, movie I mentioned. So, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So for my next one, uh, this is a fun one. Um, this is another one where I'm going to do franchise encompassing, but I think you're going to understand as soon as I say it. Anything with the Muppets. <laughs> Perfect. Just saying. <laughs> um, just saying. Whether it, it doesn't matter which version of the Muppets you're doing, they're always all encompassing. One big cast that constantly complements itself. Um and even when they're doing, like, their specials, if you go back and YouTube, like, Muppets 30th Anniversary, first off, that's a phenomenal, like, television special that they did back in the day. Totally watch it if you want some really good classic Muppet stuff. But at the same time, um, that's one that they always 
the chemistry was built. Yeah, it's the puppeteers. I get it. But yeah, it, the chemistry was built on purpose for what it was. And you and it plays out in all the right ways. So, yeah, the Muppets. And I'm a huge Muppet fan, so that should be no surprise that I picked that. But <laughs> I don't know. You keep going with these, like, overlooked, like, pop culture classics. And that's all I can really say. The Muppets is just such a perfect example. And the majority of their movies, like... So many Muppet-based stories don't have, like, a main character. Like, I, in my head, I'm just going back to the Great Muppet Caper and, like, who was the main character of the Great Muppet Caper? I don't know, but it was all awesome. And you have the group with all these, like, super cartoony personalities and, like, it's just such a good call. So, awesome. Yeah. Um, all right, man, what do you got? So, for my next pick, um, I'm going to go mine, with... The rest of mine are kind of normal, so... Okay, so for my next pick, I'm going to go with one that I didn't think of right away. But, you know, you put your list together and, of course, you're going to check like your Internet, like top 50 ensemble films and stuff like that. And this is one that came up and it was like, no, this is definitely going to be on my list because it's so perfect. And uh, that pick is the Ghostbusters, ah, like the original is, Ghostbusters. I, I or either down. I almost. Yeah, either. Down either of the first two but it's just so much like who's the main character you know you have four ghostbusters but they all have their unique stories and they all have their really strong like pivotal moments in the stories in the story and then you also have like dana and you have like a whole slew of like secondary characters like uh rick moranis's character and stuff and it's just such a such a good cast of just like the top notch, like some of the best comedic actors at the time. And it's such a off the wall story, but I feel like the ensemble cast, when it comes to the Ghostbusters, you have the story, you have the effects, you have all that, but it's really the cast that I feel like made everybody fall in love with this franchise. And so this one could not be <laughs> overlooked, you know what I mean? So that's my next pick. I apologize for coughing. I'm trying my best not to do it as close to the microphone as possible. That one I couldn't hold on. <laughs> At any rate, uh, no, good call on the Ghostbusters. And I I almost put it down. I really did. And the only reason I didn't is because I thought of another movie that I really had to, that kind of trumped it in terms of ensemble cast, and that is Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> okay. um, I was thinking so, about... <laughs> so I want to say blasphemy, but... For this list, I can definitely see why you went there. So there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, no, 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 no. It was specifically for this list. I wasn't trying to make yeah. a, throw a shade at Ghostbusters at all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, 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 no. Ocean's Eleven, this is another one. This is like the, that perfect storm of like massive amounts of actors getting put together that I feel like when you when you watch the scene in the movie where they're piecing together the team that's going to be Ocean's Eleven, yeah. I feel like those guys got together somewhere and had drinks and said, Hey, you know, what'd be cool is if all of us remade oceans 11. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like they already had all the off screen chemistry. So they're going to go on and do this thing. And then when you look at the comedy they bring to it and like the amount of like dead pans and like just blank facial expressions to lines that you're just like, that's funny because of the lack of reaction and so forth. The chemistry with them is just amazing. Um, but yeah, this movie, if you've never seen Ocean's Eleven, and I have a feeling there's a chance people are listening to this that haven't, uh, shame on you and go see it. Um, but I think you're like just the, 
And if you haven't seen it in a while, go watch and just pay attention yeah. to how the cast like plays on each other. It's so cool. It's it's like this is like master craftsmen at their work doing their best for the sole purpose of having fun as opposed to like chasing an Oscar. So, yeah, no, I think this is this is great because it's I'm so glad that a heist movie made our list tonight because the thing is, like, that's one of the best parts of just heist movies in general is you have like that montage where you put you're putting the pieces together. You're getting all of your characters for this, uh, you know, this feat they're all trying to pull off. And it just to me, it takes me back to like when I was a kid and I was playing Legos and I was putting together my team that's going to like do whatever I want to do. And, you know, you're like, I have this guy and he's like the brains and this guy is like your strong man and I've got my hacker and you have all these roles to fill. Like this guy's the master of disguise and stuff. And I feel like Ocean's Eleven fits that so well, but it's also like such a star studded cast when it comes to the actual people in the movie. And I feel like, I feel like this movie gets brought up a little bit more than Rat Race, but it is in this it, it is in the zone of like it came out a while ago and you don't hear the Oceans movies brought up a lot, you know, that often in conversation. Yeah. So I feel like this is definitely a good thing to uh, to throw out there. And like, seriously, if you haven't taken the time to watch the Oceans movies, like definitely sit down and watch them. They're definitely a treat and just a really good time, you know? Yeah. All right, man. What do you got for me? Second to last pick of the night. So my second to last pick, I went with a superhero movie. I know you said you didn't do uh, superhero movies on your list, but I went with the original Avengers film, the uh, Joss Whedon, Whedon directed like the first Avengers movie. I think it came out in 2012. 2011 or 2012. But this is this is also another one that I didn't think of right away. But you have your like like is it six five or six core members that are just like these really strong personalities that just play off each other so well and you can extend it to like nick fury and some of the other shield agents you you know you have colson in there you have just a really fun group of people and like this movie like i remember when it came out when it came out and like i definitely already liked the mcu but i feel like this is the movie that i fell in love with the MCU with because there was just so much magic on screen. The humor was there. The action was there. It was just amazing. And uh, yeah, that's, that's my next pick. The Avengers. We've talked about this so many times, so I don't want to go on and on. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I hear yeah. you. I hear you. Well, I'm going to talk about a movie we have talked about a lot too, so we don't have to do too much on it, <laughs> but I'm going with the original Scream. Nice. This made my uh, short list. Good call. Yeah. So this is a phenomenal ensemble cast in terms of we talked about it. We've talked about it in the sense that it's not necessarily a horror movie so much as it's a whodunit murder mystery. But this is one where like every cast member is like super important to the story all the way throughout. Yeah, you basically have the one lead female. Yes. Ultimately, other than that, everyone is like hyper important because you're trying to figure out who did it. And it puts every, it puts a target on everyone's back, which is great for the sake of the story. And the only person you're convinced didn't do it is the main girl that's being stalked by the killer. So unless they roll, unless they wanted to throw us a bone and say, oh, no, she was faking it the whole time. And ha ha, she was in on it. <laughs> but that, 
obviously did not happen. Anyway, phenomenal cast in terms of like playing on each other. And what's interesting about a cast like that is when that movie came out, they basically took every hot actor in Hollywood, hot young actor in Hollywood. And I'm not talking physical appearance hot. I'm talking like popular hot. Um, yeah, it was definitely like a who's who of the late 90s. For who's, sure. who's who of the late 90s threw them in a movie together and said, you guys go make this really cool horror movie. And it paid off. It worked. Because after that, they did the same thing with all of them, like who's who of Hollywood kind of thing and threw them all together in movies. Um, so, yeah, the original Scream. Um, yeah, we've talked about the how much you and I loved this movie, but the casting in that movie is great. The way they play off of each other is great. It's just it's a really good it's a really good example of how it works really well when you get the cast right. So, yeah, this the only reason this didn't make my list was because. I just felt like you have Ned Nev Campbell as uh, uh, Sydney. Like I feel like she is kind of the main character, but otherwise, like you're you're right. Like you have that like you know knives out or like clue esque like uh, who done it mystery aspect to the whole thing. But it's also like a teen comedy, but it's also a horror story. And it's like, there's so many levels to this movie. It's so great. But the way all everybody's personality plays off each other is awesome too. And it's also like, we're fulfilling horror tropes, but we're also subverting horror tropes. Like there's a lot going on in Scream. But one of my favorite aspects is you also have Jamie Kennedy, who is the like nerdy video store guy who is kind of in a weird way, narrating everything that's going on in a weird meta sort of way where he's like, well, in horror movies, this is how things go. And that's like a whole other level to like this whole other meta level to this ensemble cast that you have. So really good call. Awesome pick. Uh, definitely almost made my list. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, man. What is your final pick of the night? My final pick of the night, I went with uh, the American version of The Office, which is a beloved sitcom. I feel like this tops so many ensemble cast lists. Some detractors might say that, like, oh, well, Jim and Pam are the main character. But I would argue there's episodes where Michael Scott is the main character. There's uh, episodes where Dwight, or Dwight is the main character, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel like the, uh, the office is such a good um, just group of individuals played out where just their personalities play off of each other so well. And it's one of those shows that it doesn't get good until you know the personalities that you're watching, where you when you finally get to know the characters, you're really you really, really fall in love with these shows and with the way these characters bounce off of each other in certain situations. So the office, there you go. I don't know if you have any comments on this, Drew, but that's my final pick. So I have only watched a handful of the office and I feel like that's a blasphemy thing to say. However, I always, I always thought that parks and rec was the better show between that in terms of that style of show. Fair enough. I always always thought parks and rec was better. Now parks and rec is not my, pick but i understand why you chose the office and i think that's a fantastic pick for the reasons you said and i don't yeah. disagree with you at all it's a great example of an ensemble cast um i also went with a tv show for my pick um <clears throat> my last pick of the night i went with modern family um this is a okay, show nice this is a show that i think was built with the idea of we're telling a show about a family 
And no matter what happens, each family member is important because that's what families are about. Everybody's important for their own reasons. And um, you accept everybody for who they are and why, and we support each other and all that stuff. And I think not only do you see that in the storytelling of the show, you see that in the casting and you see that in the way the cast cares for each other on all aspects. So when you tell a story like Modern Family and you put that cast together, you get exactly what I was talking about in terms of, um, yeah. So it's just, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal cast. And I know they've won several Emmys and stuff like that for exactly what I'm saying. And uh, it does show. So yeah, no, Modern Family was my final pick. So Absolutely. And I feel like they, it's kind of funny we ended this with The Office and Modern Family because both of them have that sort of, documentary slash like reality show single camera sitcom style to them where it's like it's shot like it's it's shot like it's like a reality show documentary sort of thing and you have individual characters giving their like confessional sort of monologues about the events taking place and I feel like Modern Family maybe even more so than The Office because I feel like Modern Family has less of a main character to it I feel like that's such a good example because every character kind of has that sort of equally main character aspect to it and like it's it's definitely a show you can trace down the different like ABC plots that we were talking about earlier with friends and stuff like that but yeah, definitely a good call. And I feel like I really feel like this is such a strong pick because I don't know that I could tell you who the main character of the show is. It's kind of just about the group as a whole. And I think that's probably the best pick of the night in kind of a, a weird way because of that. Well, I appreciate you saying that. We've never like had a, <laughs> we've never had a uh, this is the best thing you could have chosen kind of thing. So um, that's awesome. It's kind uh, of at the moment thinking about that, like it just makes so much sense. You know what I mean? Right. Well, that brings us to the end of the list. That brings us to the end of the episode. So this is a little shorter than normal, but hey, that's all right. Um, next week is normally Peter's pick. So he'd be picking for us in terms of next week. But uh, the Oscars are this weekend. And for those of us who enjoy movies as much as we do, this is kind of like our Super Bowl. So. That being said, it is the end of the year in that aspect. So next week, after we've learned what the best picture nomination, the best best picture is and who won at the Oscars, Peter and I will be discussing our favorite films from 2022. So it's time to look back at the year we just left <laughs> and what are our favorites. And I have a feeling I know exactly what both of our number ones going to be, but you never know, <laughs> things could have changed. Um Every time this list comes around, I always have like a moment of dread where I feel like I didn't watch enough stuff. And then it's always like, oh, wait, no, here's like 30 movies that I totally forgot about. So, yeah, this will right. be a fun one. So this will be a good one because there was so much stuff that came out in 2022. Um, but I think there's one that's really going to stand out for Peter and I. But, hey, that's all right. Um, <laughs> that being said, uh, that's what we'll be discussing next week. So um, if you don't watch the Oscars, I have a feeling no one is getting slapped this year, <laughs> but I'm willing to bet there's a joke about it. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Have you seen the Jimmy Kimmel um, commercial for the Oscars? No, <laughs> there's a commercial floating around where Jimmy Kimmel um, walks into like the top gun offices and he goes, um, 
and he's like, thanks for having me back. And they're like, they're called orders or like, no, no, no. They're like, it's like, it's set up like the top gun scene where Maverick's talking to the two, uh, to Cyclone. And I forget the other guy's, uh, call sign. But, um, when they say it's called orders Maverick, they're like, he's like, thanks for having me back. And they're like, you weren't our first choice. Nice. And he's like, did you ask Billy Crystal? Like, yeah, we begged Billy Crystal. We also asked, we also asked, and then they gave a huge list, and he's like, yep, you are our 13th choice. <laughs> nice. It's really funny. So then they start asking him questions about the uh, his take on the show and stuff like that. It's it's a really funny commercial. If you get a chance to watch it, it's it's basically like the ad that he's hosting the Oscars. So um, Nice. Yeah, really funny. Anyway, um, that being said, uh, you want to toss this episode in the can? Yeah, let's go for it. Cool. All right, everyone. Do us all a favor. Uh, check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, uh, Twitter and Facebook, uh, Twitter and Facebook, along with the link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. You can interact with the show there. Hit us up on our uh, social media. Either way works. We are on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, Audible, and Amazon. You can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also uh, leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at uh, Drew3927. Peter, what about you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I will be spreading the word about this brand new multiplayer gaming hack I discovered called screen watching. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's something that hasn't come up since LAN parties. Back <laughs> right that on. was a thing back in the day. Oh, Look it up. Google it. <laughs> Google LAN parties. That's something that I miss. Anyway, um... For the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll see you next week, everyone. Thanks for listening. Have a good night.